man, I am so grateful I got to meet this young man, a man in full, but a young man in full. His name is King Randall. You're going to hear the discussion. He decided at about the age of 19, he's a former Marine, to take in boys, to teach them how to be men. Then he decided to build the school. And he tried to buy a, a school building they were going to destroy in the poorest county in Georgia, one of the most crime-ridden counties in Georgia. Had the paperwork ready to go, and then the, um, the paperwork came back, and it said, you can't build a school, no charter school, no alternatives. He had to back out, but he hasn't stopped. He was really surprised to who came forward to help him with this mission. At that time, I remember when we went viral, I remember it was uh, a lot of MAGA accounts and white people sharing our stuff. And I'm like, why are they sharing stuff with me helping black children? These guys, people are supposed to be racist. Like these, <laughs> these Trump supporters, are sharing, why are these Trump supporters sharing our stuff? Like this yeah. is weird, but they're helping. They're like, hey, you need to start a GoFundMe account. You know, this. I mean, it was crazy. King got to go to the White House and take some of the boys with him. You'll hear what that was like, what the president was like and what he learned about the media. It's also fascinating. He said, now, you know what? I asked him about white racism. He said, that's not really on his list of concerns right now for his boys. And the only real pushback I've really gotten is from people that look like me and people that are in my own community. Um, wow. So that's, that's, what, that's what's happened. And, you know, that's what opened my eyes. And I'm just thankful to God, you know, for this maneuvering my life in a way where I can open my eyes. King Randall joins us on the Todd Herman Show. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times such as these require us to make a decision. And the young man, a man in full, as I said earlier, but a young man, join us here in a second. His name is King Randall. He's a former Marine. Now we, we are so blessed to be surrounded by service people. Tim Cruikshank, the founder and CEO of Bonefrog Coffee, is a 25-year Navy veteran, Navy SEAL. Thank you, the Bone Frog, for the the partnership and the coffee. And teach me, coffee actually can taste good. Yeah, it is an amazing thing to see young men with such energy, with such focus, with such drive, doing what many people say cannot be done. Which Hillary Clinton says, "You need me," and and Joe Biden says, uh, "You don't vote for me. You ain't black." Meaning, you can't do anything without me. Well, there's one young man and a man in full who doesn't buy that. So King Randall joins me and I was just talking to him and said he's got son where he's at. And King, tell my audience where you're at and, and you're physically and, and why you're at where you're at physically. Sure. I'm in Albany, Georgia. I'm on the roof of the Life Preparatory School for Boys. We're trying to raise $1 million to get me off of the roof. Uh, we're just past 350000 a day. Uh, so I decided I was going to camp out on the roof and sacrifice myself to raise money. And tomorrow we'll be in our record highs. Uh, it'll be 106 in all being oh. tomorrow. But, yeah, but people are trying to get me off the roof. And I have plenty of water, but it's, it's very hot. So I'm up here, you know, making it happen. And we're going to raise this money for our kids. 
I love it. I love it. You know, people, um, are lots, lots of folks are good at complaining. It's a harder thing to go get something done. Um, so talk to me about the, um, uh, the X for, uh, X for boys. Uh, and there's something in your, in your promotion material that really caught my attention. But first of all, talk to me about the school, what you do, what you need the money for. Um, and let's get into then, uh, the, the greater picture, but let's start with the school. Sure, absolutely. Well, the Extra Boys program was founded in 2019. Um, in 2019, I was 19 years old, and uh, one of my classmates that I graduated with had just got sentenced to 30 years in prison um, for hiding a weapon um, that uh, that killed someone, even though he wasn't at the actual crime. Uh, he got sentenced to 30 years for hiding the weapon, even though he wasn't there. Um, and, you know, we don't have any rehabilitation programs for juvenile offenders in Southwest Georgia except for functional family therapy. And this only consists of three months of therapy where they only meet once a week um, for one hour. And I don't think that is a real consistent rehabilitation. So I just started, I started to, uh, you know, take children into my own home. Um, I started in my dining room teaching boys how to read and write. I taught them how to grow their own food. We learned how to change ceiling fans, change toilets, do plumbing, paint, firearms training. Um, this is what I was doing with the boys. I'm a former Marine. Uh, so some of these things, you know, uh, some of my skills I gave to them. Um, you know, just trying to teach them how to have some life skills. And I learned these things growing up. Uh, so fast forward all the way to now, we have a full story, but if I could just go straight to right now, uh, we purchased a 41,000 square foot school facility, uh, just with money that we've raised in the past three years. And right now we're trying to renovate our school. Um, so we have a basketball gym, 25 classrooms, um, chapel area. Uh, we have a really big, big facility. We have a basketball gym, cafeteria. I mean, we have the whole nine here. Um, but we got to get the building uh, fixed up. So right now they're painting the building. I've been pressure watching yesterday. Uh, we're getting the floors done on Thursday. So as people are donating, you know, I'm making sure people see exactly where their dollars are going on social media. So people are following us and I'm showing all the videos and showing all the work be done, showing the students with us helping uh, on the school. So we plan to open on August the 3rd. There's a truck riding by, but we plan to open on August 3rd. Um, and, you know, we're excited about it. It'll be an all-boys boarding school, so the students will be staying here. I believe most of the boys' issues are their environment. Um, I've had children come to me from the juvenile court system that I've taken temporary custody of. You know, and through God, God was able to help me take care of them before we had got on any national or international platforms. God helped me, you know, be able to take care of those children. I learned how to cut hair. I learned how to fix some cars, and I would do that every day, you know, trying to make sure we was able to feed our students and, you know, feed the boys at my house. I got some bump beds, and I put them in my living room, and we made it happen, and that's how I was able to take care of those students. So from there, you know, from 2019 all the way to now, I've touched over 100 boys, you know, um, with our program, and, you know, a lot of them have changed their lives. We have a 0% recidivism rate, so every child that's come to our program from jail has never been back. Um, our children are raising their grades. We have an 86% reading comprehension rate, uh, 91% in uh, general contracting. Like our children are learning uh, these skills. So not just academics, but we want to teach them how to work with their hands too. Um, and just to help them be able to fund their dreams, even if they don't want to be an automotive repairman or, you know, work with general contracting, you can use that skill to fund the actual dream that you want to have. Uh, so I just want to teach the boys, you know, how to be men, how to love family, how to love God, uh, how to love school, you know, and, and how to take care of yourself. 
and how to be a husband. So these are things that we want to, you know, make sure we're instilling in our students. And this is what they'll be doing every day uh, at our boarding school at Life Prep in Albany, Georgia. I love it so much. And uh, folks, the Todd Herman Show is donating a thousand bucks to this. And I ask you to join me in that. Um, so if you, you. if you can match a thousand, uh, do that. There's a link uh, in the show notes. Just so you know, our friend Zach Abraham, uh, Bulwark Capital Management is the gentleman who turned me on to this program, introduced me to King Randall. Um, and Zach, as you know, is pretty careful with money. So when Zach comes around and says, I back someone doing something, um, it's it's been well looked at. Um, King, so there is in your promotional material, I see the life preparatory sign. Um, and then I see a phrase, big boy faith. Talk to Mm -hmm. me about big boy faith. What does that mean? Now I can get into the meat of our story. Um, so, you know, I teach, I teach the boys all the time about having faith and that's something I've always believed in as a kid. My, my grandmother uh, was a pastor. My mom was a pastor. Um, I grew up playing the drums at church, you know, so I've been in church my entire life. And um, when we first started raising money for our school, after we got invited to the White House by President Trump, um, we got invited to the White House randomly because one of my, my uh, pictures went viral with teaching the boys how to do sheet rock on Twitter. Yeah. It went viral. We got invited to the White House and, you know, some boys, you know, from Albany, Georgia, you know, who've never been anywhere, never been on a plane. <laughs> we got a chance to fly, wow. you know, to, to, to the White House. You know, it was beautiful. Uh, me and 10 other boys. But anywho, um, we started raising money and we were going after this one building um, in our hometown. We were trying our hardest to raise money for it. And, you know, the day we rolled by it, you know, I told the boys, I was like, listen, we're going to have some big boy faith and we're going to make it happen. And it kind of stuck. And so that's like our little hashtag we use now, hashtag big boy faith. So you go type in hashtag big boy faith on any social media platform. You'll see something that has to do with us. Um, so we, we got into that. Uh, we, we, uh, we weren't able to raise the money in time for that building. Then we went after uh, one of our uh, local school systems abandoned buildings. Um, that was up for demolition. Uh, we tried to get the building from them. We went through an eight-month process with them. We were actually supposed to be open already, um, but we went through an eight-month process with them only to, to get our contract back, and it says that, you know, the deed shall contain a use restriction that we cannot uh, uh, operate a private or a charter school out of that location unless oh. they taught the curriculum. Oh. And I was like, well, well, we're not, well, not going to, you know, do that. And, you know, my hometown, they put out newspaper articles on me and everything, you know, because we wanted to buy the building that they were about to demolish. They wanted half a million dollars for it. And, um, you know, I told them, you know, we're just not going to do it. Um, so fast forward from there, uh, we ended up purchasing 40 acres of land here in the city of Albany with, you know, money that we raised because I told, you know, people that we want to make sure we teach our boys how to fence for themselves and how to, you know, do wilderness training, how to grow their own food, etc. And um, fast forward from there, I remember our realtor gave me a call from the previous building that we were trying to buy. Yeah. And she says, hey, King, um, there's a school downtown for sale. And I've been living here my whole life, and I'm like, there is not a school downtown at all. So how are you going to tell me it's a school downtown? No, she's like, no, it's a school downtown for sale. And she's like, the old Friendship Church. And I said, um, I went to pre-K there. I'm like, there's no school inside of there. I'm like, they have a, you know, a chapel, and they have a part of the building. I'm like, there's no school. She's like, there is a full school in this building. So I'm like, okay, so I come and tour it. It's 41,000 square feet. I mean, the, if you come to look at the building from the outside, it doesn't know justice. You have to come inside the building. 25 classrooms, basketball gym, cafeteria, the whole nine. And um, and I told her, I was like, well, I said, because um, we have three buildings for our resource center that we purchased. It was really small buildings that we purchased just to start out um, because people were giving us so much backlash about us not having a building yeah. um, after the whole school system thing. So we went and purchased three small buildings. And I told her, I was like, well, we spent all the money we raised on the building we just bought. I'm like, I don't have the funds 
I'm like, how are we going to, you know, get the building? She was like, well, you got to do something, call somebody, you know, call Trump or something. I'm like, I don't have anybody to call. I'm like, we've exhausted all of our donors. I'm like, we we, we got to get started with what we have. But so I, I decided to step out on faith anyway, because uh, the building was everything we need. I'm like, this is everything literally that we need. So I stepped out on faith and I made a tweet. I said, um, we needed $70,000 to get in the building. Um, so I called one of my older donors um, who hadn't donated just yet because at that time we didn't have our 501c3 yet. And he was like, King, I'm going to trust you. And um, he said, I'm going to trust you. And, and so he, I, he, he sent us $20,000. And I, I, I got on Twitter and I said, listen, if we can raise $50,000 by Christmas, this was back in October, if we can raise $50,000 by Christmas, you know, we'll be able to get in the, the facility that we need. We'll be able to get to some of the renovations, you know, started, et cetera. So I put that on Twitter, and we raised that $50,000 in 36 hours. Uh, we raised it in 36 hours. People from all over gave and gave and gave, and we ended up in this location that we have now. Uh, so now we've raised uh, $350,000 going toward just renovations on our school, yeah. uh, getting carpet and, and, and bedding, you know, and uh, washing machines and dryers and showers. And we're doing it. You know, we're making it happen, but we still got to make some more stuff happen a little bit faster. Uh, we open on August 3rd. We at least need to be operable by August 3rd, but we want to at least have some things finished by our grand opening banquet, which is September 24th. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, people can see all the work that we've been doing. If you follow us on social media, we have pictures and videos of us painting, uh, photos of all the new toilets. We've replaced all the toilets, ceiling tiles, plumbing, you name it. Uh, God's been, you know, helping us, you know, a whole lot. And I'm so appreciative, you know, of all the people around the world, you know, who have just taken a, you know, a liking to our mission and what we're trying to do. Um, because they see the work we've done. People have followed me since I've been in my house. And so a lot of people feel, you know, really good about our story because they've watched me from the beginning at 19 all the way to 22 now. I'm about to turn 23, working with these children and molding them. They've watched some of these children grow. They've watched me grow. They've watched me, you know, grow as a young man because I don't know everything. You know, I was a teenager when I started, and I'm, I'm about to be 23 now. So I've matured in a whole lot. I've got, I have a bald head now. You know, I used to have hair. <laughs> You know, so it's a lot that's happened, but I'm yeah. just appreciative of everybody that believes in us. So, King, um, I, my audience would be disappointed if I didn't ask this question. I want to ask a quick question about President Trump. And then I, I want to talk about the messages that young people receive and, and the what society says to young people, because I think that that's I think that can be helpful. It can be harmful and also about faith and if faith is being stolen from young people. So let me just start real quick with um, how did you feel when you met President Trump? How did he treat you um so originally i'll be honest with you um before i had come into any type of conservative space my first time going to see president trump was in 2017 uh at road to majority with the faith and freedom coalition and one of my friends Dalen johnson uh he's been a republican ever since we were in high school and um he invited me to come to road to majority with him and I went and I saw the stuff I wasn't disagreeing with, but I was kind of forcing myself to disagree because I'm not supposed to, uh, to agree with it. You know, of course, what they tell us. Right. So I'm just like, no, that's not right. You know, even right. though it sounds great. Right. Um, so um, fast forward from there, you know, when we started doing the sheet rock at that time, I remember when we went viral, I remember it was uh, a lot of MAGA accounts and white people sharing our stuff. And I'm like, why are they sharing stuff with me helping black children? These guys, people are supposed to be racist. Like these, these Trump supporters, are sharing, why are these Trump supporters sharing our stuff? Like this yeah. is weird, but they're helping. They're like, Hey, you need to start a GoFundMe account. You know, this. I mean, it was crazy. And then, then we got an invite to the white house. So we get to the white house to see the president and the speech that he gave 
and what they told us, they showed us on TV was extremely different. So we went and watched the speech that he gave while we were there. Um, the speech that he gave while we were there was entirely different than what they put on the TV. And I was like, so this is what they do. Because I'm like, he didn't say anything that we disagree with. He's a cool guy. The boys thought he was funny. It was awesome. And I actually just went to see him again uh, a few days ago. That's the only reason I came off the roof. Somebody uh, asked me to come see him in Nashville. And we had a private, um, a private meeting there with me and a few other influencers. And it was beautiful. Like, he's just the most awesome guy. The things he's done for the black community that people would not give him credit for. You know, and, you know, now we have Joe Biden there and people are regretting it with their lives. And, you know, people like us start to say, you know, just pay attention to what you're doing. Don't just vote because that's what you're supposed to do on the blue side. You know, think about what you're doing. And now they're regretting it because a lot of the things that he said, you know, has come to pass about the gas prices, et cetera. You know, and um, that's just something I paid attention to. But we were treated very nicely. A lot of those people listened to our story. We told them what was going on. It was a beautiful experience. And the only real pushback I've really gotten is from people that look like me and people that are in my own community. Um, wow. So that's that's what that's what's happened, and you know that's what opened my eyes. And I'm just thankful to God, you know, for just maneuvering my life in a way where I can open my eyes. Um, so I, I just thank God for that, um, and, wow. and just being able to grow and say I changed my mind. Because a lot of people have that that you know wrong with them too. They can't just say I changed my mind. It's hard for them to say I changed my mind. You know, mm-hmm. I don't believe in that anymore. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm not afraid to say I changed my mind. So um, I'm definitely glad, you know, God maneuvered my life in that way for me to be able to say and speak to all sides because people, you know, look at us and they're like, oh, you got Democrat support. You got, uh, you know, other people support. I'm like, everybody supports what we're doing because it's all about the children and they see the heart in it. You know, so I talk to Democrats. I talk to Republicans. I go to CPAC. I'll go to the NAACP convention. I don't care. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> as long as I can push out our message, you know, I think it's important. And for people that support me, I'm like, you should want me to go to these different places because if you believe in my message truly, then you should want me to go give the truth to these people, you know, in in other places. And every time I go, they never disagree. I've been on numerous black spaces now, you know, with the pro-black platforms, and I've been telling them what I've been hearing at other places like CPAC and stuff, and they don't disagree. They're just like, I never thought about things that way. I never thought about that, but that's what's supposed to happen. We have to have these conversations. And so we can't be afraid to go talk to people. And I think that's extremely important. Oh, my goodness, yes. And uh, and the, the good Lord has gifted you with the great, great ability to speak and, and to communicate. And, and uh, thank you, Jesus, for what he's done with you and how he's using you, King. Um, we are told that the number one problem facing um youth, particularly black kids, is white racism. That's that's why there's that. Uh, so where, I mean, uh, that, that exists. I mean, let's not lie. Of course, there's racist. Of it's course. A, it's a sin problem. But where do you rank white racism um, in terms of of creating problems for, for young black people? I would honestly say, you know, and, and, and especially with my life, I don't really have it on my list right now. I have yet to have any white people like bother me or say hey you wow. shouldn't be helping black children like i have not it's not on my list like the, the only like, again what really happened to us and people are like well what about police brutality and blah, blah, blah i'm like yeah but that stuff rarely happens like it happens we're not saying it doesn't but it happens like on such a small scale like versus what's happening every day in our communities like where i live we're number one in georgia uh you know the, as the most dangerous city in georgia over atlanta you know, in Southwest Georgia, but that's not happening because white police are killing black people. It's because black people are killing black people where I live. And that's just being honest. You know, we just had a nine-year-old killed in a drive-by shooting. Oh, Lord Like, uh, that was 
you know, last year we had one of our, you know, top uh, former basketball players here just killed, you know, and this, this stuff is just happening for nothing. You know, I'm like, but you're going to keep telling people that it's the white people's problem that this is happening, or that's a microcosm of act racism, you know, because they, they implemented poverty and blah, blah, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me because I'm like, I'm 19 years old. I bought my first house when I was 19. I bought four acres of land in 19. I had my two children. I had a wife at the time. And, you know, I'm like, I, I did it all, you know, and nobody was stopping me, you know. And now that I'm trying to open this school, the only people giving me pushback is people that look like me. I'm like, white people aren't giving me any issues. White people aren't saying, hey, King, I'm going to come bring your school down because you're black. You know, you should be helping black children. You know, I'm like, that makes no sense, you know, and we help all children. You know, I've had uh, Hispanic children, white children. Yeah. You know, all types of children, and people are just like, well, why would you allow, you know, I've had black people ask, why would you allow other races in your school? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, why not? I'm like, I'm like they have to, co- like, to coexist together. Right. I'm like, so why not bring them together? They have to coexist. Why would I teach only black children for them to go out there and don't know how to interact with everybody? That makes no sense, and I'm not, and I'm not properly equipping them if I'm only having them around each other. Grant, we do live in a, a majority black town. It's 81% black people here. So, of course, you're going to see mostly black children at our school. But I have children of other races. And I think that's extremely important because they have to learn how to, you know, interact. You know, and just all this media stuff and they, everything they show them on TV. And, like, they're trying to deliberately make black people not like white people or deliberately make white people not like black people. Because what they'll do on this side is, you know, well, black people, they'll show all the black stuff, you know, black people saying bad stuff about white people just to make white people get mad. And then on the other side, they'll show all the, you know, the white races and to black people not showing the everyday white person that does not care about their skin color. You know, so it takes people like me to be like, no, white people are helping our cause and they are wholeheartedly in agreement with what I'm doing, just like you are. You're in, a, in agreement with what I'm doing. So if y'all can agree on this one cause, we should be able to come together and, on something and have some discussions. Yep. So I think that's extremely important. I, that is extremely important. I'm glad God has been able to use me, you know, as somebody in the middle they're uh, helping, uh, you know, people come together because we, uh, we had a men's march back in April. And I brought uh, Muslims together. I brought Christians together. I brought liberals, conservatives, et cetera. And to see all of us in rooms just having conversations, talking about issues in our community. It was a men's march for all men. I had men, uh, men from all religions there, white men, black men, Hispanic men. And we played basketball together. We ate dinner together. We talked. We talked about politics. We talked about what was going on. And nobody was, like, on a disagree agreement thing. Only time people disagree, but we were talking about, you know, the whole transgender stuff and trying to, you know, you know, make our kids into boys. And everybody was in disagreement with that. And I'm like, that's what, this is exactly why I want us to come together and have these conversations. Because on Instagram and Twitter and whatever, they're going to purposely give us things that we don't like so we can keep not, li- not liking each other. Right. You know, versus when we actually agree with each other in real life. Yeah. So I think it's important that we all have these conversations, absolutely. And that's what we're going to keep fostering here at our school. Yep, absolutely. King Randall's with me. There's a link to his school um, and the fundraiser there. I've already said Todd Herman shows in for a thousand. Um, I'm asking you to match that if you can. Anything helps. Um, and Zach Abraham has put money in as well. I'll talk to Zach about that coming up here on Friday. Um, talking with King Randall. Yeah, it was Zach actually who uh, let me know about you, King. Zach Abraham's the chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital Management and has become my brother. We talk with him every single Friday about financial stewardship and what's going on and what the party's doing to the marketplace. And, and Zach is, is very clear that the, uh, 
you know, the market is manipulated. It's not a free market. It's a completely rigged system. And it's a system that we have. And Zach has calibrated his company to work on one single focus of risk management. And that means, of course, uh, growing your wealth in your portfolio and growing your security. But it starts with risk management. And he's doing a free live webinar. You have an opportunity to see him in action and to see how he handles himself in a setting like that, to ask questions, et cetera. Some of the things he's going to cover are, do you have enough money to retire? What does that look like? Uh, should you take a state or social security? Do you need estate planning or long-term care? And I go into detail. And I love this about Zach because uh, people who break with the, uh, you know, the common thinking often are, are derided and hated and, and all of a sudden they're right. Well, Zach's been saying for almost a decade that the old 60-40 stock bond mix simply doesn't work in this inflationary environment. Here we are with the biggest inflation in 41 years. So he'll explain that in detail. It's free to attend but these things do fill up. So you need to get to knowyourriskradio.com. Knowyourriskradio.com. So you can join me and Zach Abraham at this live webinar. It's Thursday, June 30th at 3 p.m. So it's just around the corner. Thursday, June 30th. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Uh, King, let me ask you this: is, is I know I've taken a lot of your time up on the rooftop, and and you are busy, you know, building the school. Um, what does what what role can faith in in the Lord Jesus in in God Almighty um, play in not just the 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 spiritual aspect of that? I mean, to me, having the Holy Spirit in us is what is is what life is all about, and eternity is what life is all about, and saving souls. That's my that's my drive, um, King. That's why I left radio uh, to be able to put God mm -hmm. at the center. Um, but what does it mean to kids um, to actually have faith uh, in their life in, in a world where faith is it's derided? In my mind, maybe you disagree. I feel like Hollywood and, and, um, and frankly, people on the left make fun of faith. And uh, I mean, they deny it. Joe Biden going out and saying uh, instead of in the Declaration of Independence, instead of um, mentioning God, he calls it the you know, the thing. Um what role does faith play in even just a, a positive mental set uh, for kids? Uh, well, I think faith has a lot to do with confidence um, and believing in yourself because, you know, faith, again, is believing in yourself, believing in God, and believing things that are not as though they were. Um, and that's something that has helped, you know, a lot of our students uh, in our program. I have to teach them to believe in themselves, believe in what can happen. And, and, and a lot of them have, have had to see an actual example of it because, we could tell our students, you know, and stuff, well, have faith, you know, believe, but if they've never seen it, you know, we have to be Christ's example. We have to show people who Christ is. We have to show people Jesus, you know. So I've showed these students, you know, from starting at my home, a lot of them have started with me at my home. And I told them, we have to have faith. I'm going to start you guys of school one day. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I got big boy faith and we're going to make it happen. You know, so they literally watched it happen. And now they, you cannot tell any of the students that have been around me what they cannot do because they saw Mr. King do it. They're like, no, I can do whatever it is I want to do. I can go make the best grades. I can go be the best star. I can go do whatever it is that I want to do because I've seen somebody have faith. I saw faith 
in action. You know, so I think uh, the biggest thing for us in, in showing our students, you know, how big, you know, faith can be is showing it in action for them. We have to be that example. We can't tell them about it. We have to be the example. And a lot of the students have to learn by innately learning um, because there are many lessons that I could give them. But the only real lessons they're going to get is by seeing me work and not me telling them. Uh, oh, my goodness. So, so well said, because there's a great difference. And uh, I say this in the show from time to time, people will say, well, you know, I walk with the Lord. I believe in Jesus. And and but how does that manifest? Because the demons believe in the Lord Jesus and they shudder. Right. They're afraid of him. Yep. But they don't go around yep. living it. Uh, they don't go around living it. So, King, I, I couldn't have more admiration for what you're doing. And I would just ask one last question. Um, what do you want to see 10 years out? I mean, you're a man of vision. You were a man of vision at 19. The Lord touched you, brother. I mean, he just did. I, I'm just feeling it from you. I'm, I'm so thankful for what you're doing. Um, Thank but, you. But take us to 10 years out. What is your vision 10 years out for this school and these young men that you're raising on this big boy faith? You know, God has things move so fast for us sometimes that some of the visions that I have get shattered so fast because God makes it happen <laughs> twofold. Uh, so, like, three years ago, you definitely would have told me that I would have been where I am now. Yeah. I would have said, you know, I would have had a small little school, you know, but we have a literally a huge facility. So, you know, in 10 years, I would hope to have, you know, uh, as many facilities as possible in our hometown. For one, I would like for every boy that comes through this city to have to go through our school um, and have many different campuses all over town and, and revitalize our city. Um, I want to even build our first skyscraper. I mean, Albany is not a small city. It's just, it's just you know, poor. Um, so I want to, you know, build our first skyscraper, have our students go and revitalize the town, you know, and, and do big things here, but also push our school in, in different places you know, have, be able to franchise it out. And, you know, I've told people about franchising before. I don't want to franchise by just saying, you know, here's a packet, go do it over there. No, I want to be able to travel to these different cities and see what's going on and see what those students may need where they are. Because what the students here in Albany, Georgia need may not need the same thing in Chicago. You know, those students are in a different culture, raised in a different way. You know, we have to foster things for those students. Um, so I want to be able to travel around the country and, you know, start more schools like we have but make sure the schools are fit for those students and, and make sure the curriculum, make sure the school and make sure everything's ever evolving uh, to make sure we're always fitting the needs of the students. But in 10 years, I would hope to have more campuses, many different places, you know, and who knows, you know, God, again, I, he moves twofold for us. So we might have campuses in Africa in, in 10 years and in, in Australia and whatever might have them all over the country by then. So again, I hope to grow it and, you know, push this everywhere else, but, as of right now, we want to raise this million dollars, but you know, God, I'm sure God says five million because that's how he moves. So <laughs> hopefully we, we move there. You know, we're going to have some big boy faith and we can get this school right. up and running for our students. Someone's going to come to you and they're going to be very powerful and they're going to ask you to run for political office. I bet they already have. And um, I used to work in, in D.C. Uh, in the belly of the beast king. I would just I would offer you this as an old man with gray hair uh, to a young man with no hair right now. Um, uh, King, do me a favor. Um, if you ever consider that, write a list of things that you will never do and have them put on, on a plaque. Okay. Get three plaques. Have one of the plaques mm -hmm. have a mirror on it. And these are things that you will never do. And then give other, uh, give those plaques to your, your mom, your dad, or someone you trust, someone in Jesus. Okay. 
those three plaques and you took the, take the plaque that you write. These are things you will never do. And you have that mirror on it and you put it in your office. If you ever go into politics, you put it in your office and you look at it every day. And the day you do one of those things, you quit. The day you violate one of those face statements, you quit. Um, because man, you, you are going to be courted. They're going to want you because you're a leader, because you speak, yeah, so well, you're intelligent. But just promise me, please, King, that you will guard your soul. You'll put on the full armor of God. You'll, you'll wear Christ. Please promise me that if you, if you go that route. As much as I want to, you know, continue doing what I do at my school, I don't plan at all to get into, you know, that space. Good. I may, you know, lobby or, you know, maybe even foster and build some children to go run for political office. But yeah. I think most of the change that I want to see happen in the future will happen with these students. Okay. All right. That's the answer. I just love to hear, man. I'm so, uh, I, I got to confess to you. I was in a little bit of a down mood this morning. I'm not anymore. Um, you give me great hope for the future. I've never been to Albany. I've That's been, great. To, been to Atlanta. I'd love to come and see the school. I'd love to come and see what's sure. going on. In Albany. And, uh, you come on down right. you can do a show at school and everything. Oh. I got internet here for you. I love that. Yep. So come on down. You just tell me whenever you want to come right. and we can do it. All right. King Randall, what a pleasure. Um, go with God's good grace and let's raise this money guys for this, uh, for these kids and, and this young man of God, go with God's good grace. Thank you, King. Thank you so much. Lines right up with what we do, doesn't it? What King's doing and what we're trying to do on this program, what Allen's artisan soaps is trying to do. It's a remarkable story, and it's really beginning to take off. My question the other day still applies. If you've not yet tried the small batch made in America, 100% all-natural ingredient artisan soaps from Allen's Artisan Soaps, what's holding you up? And I did hear, got another note from a lady saying, you know, you're right. Soap is sort of an intimate thing. That really didn't occur to me. But she said, you know, that's, I'll try this. It's intimate, but you share intimate details with us, Todd. I'm kind of ashamed I haven't tried Allen's Artisan Soaps. I will try some right now, ordering on the website from Diane in Tacoma, Washington. Thank you, Diane. So the scents in these soaps, to me, are the most, I guess, subtle. I didn't think of soaps as manly and yet subtle. You know my favorite is cedarwood jasmine. There's watermelon, basil, vanilla, lime. And the story here goes right in line with what King was just talking about. It's lives. And in this case, it's lives impacted by autism. And in this very, very specific case, it's a young man named Alan who's soon to be 12. He loves Minecraft and he can't talk. He, he, can't, he can't create words. But man, he works hard and he loves his soap company. And though he can't talk, he can communicate. And he's a very joyful young man. And the party would say this guy should be parked in a hospital bed and, you know, set in front of video games for the rest of his life. Or he should have been aborted. We don't hold with either one of those things. Just as the party would say about the young boys, that, uh, that King is turning into young men uh, through the work of the Lord. Not King, but the Lord doing that. They'd say, hey, look, just get him on welfare. Or put him in a prison cell. We don't stand with that. So trying the soap is your opportunity to see if you can support this company. Because we only want you to do that if you love the soap. So it's Allen's Soaps, A-L-A-N-S. Allen'sSoaps.com slash Todd. Get the Herminator sub. You get 10% off six bars of soap, a soap rack, a soap pouch, and a fluff. All at that 10% savings. You get an opportunity to try the soaps, and if you love them, keep doing it. And then you're supporting a company 
that can prove to other companies, you know what? We can employ people like Alan. We can, and I think we must. I mean, I think it goes right in line with our belief that all lives matter. Because if all lives matter, then we need to be able to give the dignity of work to all lives. Lots of emails to catch up with. Um, I got behind again. I'm trying to catch up again. Lots of response to the Father's Day show I did. And I don't think we called it a Father's Day show. I think we said Fathers of the Counter-Revolution but a whole bunch of notes. Uh, Mr. Herman, God bless you, my brother. I only heard of you recently because you were on with Frank Turek, along with Greg Kuki, um, Alistair Bag, and Frank. I, I know you have Jesus. He's number one in your life, and I love listening to you. I just listened to your Father's Day podcast and got tears in my eyes when you were talking about spending the night in the hospital with your daughter. My wife, who passed away about seven years ago when she was in the hospital, and I could not spend the night with her, but with our little boy at home, her dad would spend the night in my place. And at that time, I thought that was a little weird. But after hearing what you said and having four young kids now myself, I completely understand. It doesn't matter how old our children are or what they have done. They will always have a place in our heart. God bless you again, Todd. Keep fighting the good fight. You and others are in my prayers. Tim. Hey, Tim, I appreciate the note. Uh, and I appreciate you listening and, and so thankful that Frank had us on his program. I hear from a lot of people about that program. Frank has built such a great, great uh, ministry. It's what he has. It's a ministry. And it's just as the Lord walks with us. I mean, we are, we are to, to do what we can to live in the way the Lord Jesus did. And he didn't give up as, as simple-minded as the apostles were sometimes, as many times as Jesus had to explain to him, as, as gentle as he had to be, and sometimes as specific and insistent. And sometimes on rare occasions, he showed frustration. That's who are, we have to be, and, and God the Father does the same. You know, that we, none of us have had the experience of sending our child out to be tortured and spat upon and crucified. Many of us in this audience, not me, but many people in this audience have had the experience of seeing their children die for this country and die because they feel that this is the place worth dying for. Uh, there are in this audience, I know for a fact, uh, fathers and mothers of people who've died uh, in ministry. I, I know of two couples who have children who were killed during their overseas ministries. And in that case, they were out trying to spread the word of the Lord and they died doing that. So they were indestructible up until the point that the Lord said, you're not indestructible anymore, come home. But I can just imagine the grief. We're always parents. Good morning, Todd. This is from Michael. I wanted to say thank you and keep on keeping on. I appreciate your faithfulness to God's word. And regarding the rock ballad experiment, I enjoyed that as well. Near as I can tell, we both share many similar experiences and God touches the lives of those who actively seek him in very profound ways. Sometimes in music and drugs and crime and all sorts of not so funny, buzzy, uh, not so fuzzy bunny ways. At any rate, I wonder if you'd like the band Sticks. I always related deeply to their song, Man in the Wilderness, and then the one I discovered called Show Me the Way. I dropped the YouTube link for it to you to check out if you've not heard it before. Enjoy, brother. Keep the faith first and foremost. Never waver. Question everything, especially yourself. Love God like nothing else. Remember, those who have much to forgive, much uh, love much, listen, listen, love, love. Your brother in Christ, sometimes husband, father, grandfather, prison minister, truth teller, and professional garden artist, the true oldest profession, garden artist, Michael. 
Michael, what a great note. Appreciate that. Thank you for joining us in the show. Sticks. Yeah. So uh, I have a friend of mine, Tommy, who loves Sticks. Uh, he might be a little obsessed with them. They were the first prog rock band that I really, really dug. And I felt like a grown up listening to them. Someone gave me the, um, their, the first album. Was that Equinox or was that, was that second? And the Grand Illusion. And the Grand Illusion, of course, was what put them on the map. And I loved them. It turned me on later to Emerson, Lake, and Palmer and, and Yes. And the song that you picked out is the, is the second Sticks. They, well, really the third Sticks. There were sort of three Sticks bands. There was the early Sticks, which was prog rocky, but had some blues stuff, James Young stuff, and bluesy, bluesy Roxy. Not really blues, but bluesy Roxy. Dennis DeYoung seized control of that band. And there's a special about Sticks about how frustrating that was for the guys who were rockers. Because all of a sudden they were out, you know, they're, they're a, a band doing ballads. And then what broke the back of the band was Domo Menigato, Mr. Roboto. And I heard James Young talking about being so deeply embarrassed to be on stage acting this out. And he's out there performing in front of, you know, 40,000 people thinking, what has become of my life? I'm dressed up as a plastic robot. But of course, Dennis DeYoung wrote the hits. Tommy Shaw is a great songwriter, great guitar player, a great band. Dennis DeYoung is gone. They've got a guy who sounds like Dennis DeYoung. Um, and, and so they play some of those songs, but they brought the rock back. I actually love their new record. See, I'm old. I say record. I played some songs in here. It's a concept album. And man, it is deep about what's become to America and North America. I think they recognize, although they can't come out and say it. I think they recognize that the lockdowns were a scam. I think that comes through in the music. They definitely are concerned about the march of tyranny. And I think most of these guys are Canadian, right? Not all of them, but I think most of them are Canadian. So the song that you wanted to share, I do have that. And I will say it's Dennis DeYoung is a song crafter. Um, and the song might be a little bit soupy for some hardcore Sticks fans. Uh, but it's a beautiful song, and it speaks to to faith in a way. And my understanding of Dennis DeYoung is that he's a Catholic. I have um, some music of Dennis playing alone at his piano in his home, I believe, in Chicago. Um, and in the background, there's a lot of, of Catholic artifacts. So he's a Christ believer. I, I don't know what sort of discipled life he leads. But the song speaks of a confusion about faith to me. It's beautiful. Show me the way is what it's called. And our new listener to the program wanted us to, uh, to play this and to share this. So for a lot of Sticks fans, it'll be a little bit too soupy. Every night I say a prayer in the hopes that there's a heaven. But every day I'm more confused as the saints turn into sinners. All the heroes and legends I knew as a child have fallen into idols of play. And I feel this empty place inside. So I pray that I've lost my faith. Show me the way. Show me the way. Please show me the way. Ah, take me to the river. He gets it. 
washed my illusions away. Love that. As I slowly drift to sleep for a moment, dreams are sacred. I close my eyes and know there's peace in a world so there is peace and there's peace to come and while we're here we build the kingdom we build the peace we can you know that prayer that the lord jesus taught us thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we say that so often that sometimes i think it becomes rote have you ever sat down and just read it I had a friend of mine who had a t-shirt with that prayer in the back and it said, uh, our father who art in heaven. And then God spoke. Yes. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you really mean that? The Lord would ask, do you really mean that? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I believe the t-shirt said, yes, I will forgive exactly the way you forgive. It's a remarkable prayer. And sometimes we say things so often that they stop being remarkable. So Dennis DeYoung, singing there with sticks, take me to the river in law, wash more illusions away. Now, this has been a hopeful segment. I am so thankful to Zach Abraham for introducing me to King Randall. My wife later informed me, oh, I told you about King three years ago. I should just have my wife do all her guest booking. She sees things I don't see. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And what's the Lord calling you to do? How is he asking you to join him in his work? The Lord wants you to join him in his work. Will you pray to hear his voice, Father God? How am I to join you in your work?